you had the Rockies come up, the San Juans come up, these big mountain ranges, and they started draining to the west. And the Rockies drained on one side where the Colorado River is. The San Juans, West Elks, drained on the other side into the Gunnison. They hit this lava flow and eroded around it. And where the two rivers meet is Grand Junction, Colorado. And over millions of years, this lava flow has eroded, making it this mesa. And the lava at the top, as it erodes, it crumbles at the edge because it gets undercut. And we have these 1,500-foot boulder fields of lava rock. Then in the summer, big caves, big rocks, pretty darn incredible. In the winter, there are these natural mogul fields that are just a hoot to ski. Not going to be all snow. A wintry mix is forecast for the listening area. Alex Kaufman, Wintry Mix, episode 84. been a few months since we've talked, and the outlook for the 2021 season hasn't changed much since the May odds of skiing episode. Doable for smaller mountains catering to local footprints, full of unknowns and potential pitfalls for harder to staff destination resorts and those that require interstate travel. And who knows how cold and flu season mixes with all of this. Testing is still not fast or consistent all while the federal government is akin to Beavis playing with matches. What a time to be alive. Condolences to everyone who have lost loved ones or their jobs to this ongoing catastrophe. Also, vote for competent government if that isn't canceled. So what's 84 going to be about since it ain't going to be another odds of skiing episode? In early March, right before the hammer came down, the family and I made a trip to Colorado's Western Slope for a weekend at Powderhorn outside of Grand Junction. Little did I know that this specific type of ski area would be best positioned to operate and perhaps thrive in our reshaped reality. They staff from and cater to basically two counties, Mesa and Delta. They rely primarily on natural snow, their season pass is not a complex offering and is sold to the locals. Most of their visits are day travelers parking close to the lifts, and even their lodging strategy has them headed to miniaturized single family instead of condos or hotels. Yep, tiny homes. If there's an insulated from COVID ski area model, Powderhorn is firmly in that category. So stop doom scrolling for an hour and let's try to enjoy ourselves on this visit to the Western Slope, recorded a week before COVID became the only thing to talk about. Ah, the before times. Follow the podcast on Instagram at Wintry Mixcast. When you mention the podcast in your story and tag it, I'll send you some free stickers, so go do that. There's also a podcast voicemail and text line, 802-560-5003. Would love some WTF will 2021 bring to skiing voicemails from the audience. Tell us all what's coming. My email is alex at wintrymixcast.com. If you want to say hello, five-star ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts mean I will owe you a beer in the wild and will make you a helper. Thank you, helpers. Not sure how often new episodes will occur this season. Everything's so irregular. Hopefully, I'll keep finding angles that interest me outside of what others are already doing well. The archive's always there for you, though. After episode 70 is Colorado-based, prior to then is Vermont, Telepal. 
Stand by for the goods. This episode of Wintry Mix is supported by the Ten Barrel Brewing Company and Bojo's Colorado Style Pizza. Commerce is kind of jacked right now, but you can still buy beer. Grab some Ten Barrel, the Apocalypse IPA perhaps, or the Summer Swill, or some Cucumber Sour, which I figured I wouldn't like, but I drink a lot of it right now. Also, the pubs are open for all sorts of to-go eats and dine-in options, depending on local regulations. Help keep people employed. They're rocking in Boise, Denver, Bend, Portland, and San Diego, and until then, find Ten Barrel in a refrigerated section near you. Or find me, and I'll give you one in the wilds of Jefferson County, Colorado, if you stay six feet away from me. With five locations along the Front Range and another in Steamboat, Bojo's is your gotta-try-it-to-believe-it Colorado-style pizza destination since 1973. Currently open for takeout and dine-in with reservations. Great patios. Or maybe you're going there for take and bake. Yep, put in your order, pick it up, cook it when you want. This seems like one of the best take-home food options you could fathom. Hell, pick up four and freeze a few. I bet that would work, though. I don't really know for sure. Visit locations in Idaho Springs, the original, Evergreen, Arvada, Fort Collins, Steamboat, and Longmont for your to-go pizza needs while we all sit and stir in our juices, hopefully not forever. Or give them a call and rock the patio. State the obvious, Powderhorn is far from Denver. But with our Loveland season passes, we had been hitting lots of the bonus ticket smaller gems all year long. Monarch and Cooper were a ball, and with an invite to scope out Powderhorn's new tiny house village, we made the many hour haul to the other side of the state. Long drive, but fun arrival. Oh, we're go we go in number six. We're going for number six. Oh, number six is great. Yep, number six is this one's ours. Red. Sure, take them off right there. We've got a plug here. Welcome to 300 Lakes Village, Sprout. Okay, let's look inside. We're gonna go in right now. Here we go. You ready, buddy? Oh, wow, there's a couch right in the entrance. Oh, I see a bed. This is awesome. Oh, there's a big bed. I call this bed. No, that's not your bed. It's everybody's bed. <laughs> oh, okay, I guess. That's mommy and daddy's bed. Why? What's in here? Because I don't think this is your room. Keep. What else is in here? Whoa, what's up there? Oh, listen upstairs. Oh! What's up there? There's beds up here. I'm, I'm in, I'm in. Which one is? But Elam, look, this one over here has like more of a view and more space for toys. And wow, this, this one, this one, this one. Living room, so much space. Boy, there's a balcony over the living room. <laughs> is that a, is that a? Do you guys like that loft spot? This is awesome. Is that a stove? Yeah. Or what is that? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Fireplace? You may have to turn up the um, thermostat to get it to go. Maybe. Probably because it's warm here right now. Got these cupboards. Oh, there's your silverware. This is awesome. 
What else is in here? This is the best house ever. The bathroom's not that interesting. Where is the bathroom? Bathroom's not that interesting. It's not very big. It's a tiny house. But it's solid. Look at this. Walk-in shower. Daddy, you need to come all the way up here. What? Why? Because it's awesome. Okay. I know these steps are for littler people, but they're okay. They're good. Yeah. These are all lights. Your room is a pretty pretty good size for you guys. Yeah. <laughs> Alright, I'm gonna go down and see mommy. Yay! Oh, cure again coffee maker. Sweet. Fridge, freezer, glasses, cups. Ooh, I like these. Barn door closets. Oh, his and hers barn door closets. Oh man. Right? It's everything Zach Giffen told me it would be. Ah, all right, guys. I get the toy space. Wow. You get the toy space. All right, we gotta go unpack the car. How far are we from the lift? I'm going back outside. Whoa, I could hit the high speed quad with a snowball. And I don't have a very good arm, and it's uphill. It's about 40 yards. Wow, this is cool. Man, I can't believe this is our front porch. This is amazing! If you've been a skier in Colorado since the 80s, you've heard of the Gart family. Through many twists of fate, they now own the place. I got a lot of sounds from the ski day later in the podcast, but the night prior, a relaxing sit on the tiny house porch gives us some fun insights into the past and future of Powderhorn. All right, I'm sitting on a tiny house deck uh, above Mesa, Colorado, beside the flat top flyer at Powderhorn with Mr. Ken Gart, who happens to be my tiny house neighbor for some reason today. Yeah. Let me really quickly, we're not going to get through your whole life story and all your accomplishments because there's too many. <laughs> um, let me just rattle off a few. Uh, the Gart family, Gart brothers, if you were in Colorado in the 80s and 90s, you know Gart brothers sporting goods. Uh, apparently you sold that and it became sports authority, correct or incorrect? Correct. And then Specialty Sports Venture, which was sold to Vail Resorts. You had 140 stores. Correct or incorrect? Yep, correct. My God. <laughs> Ski and bicycle retailer. The company was sold to Vail Resorts in 2010. Yep. Um, you're also bike sharing. Um, there was a big thing with John Hickenlooper. What was, let's not talk about what it was. Just that happened? Yep. Yep. My God. <laughs> and, but we're here at Powderhorn. And you have some Vermont time. There's no way we're going to get through your whole life story. So name current hometown and where are we sitting right now? Current hometown, Denver, Colorado. And we are in Powderhorn, which is, as you said, right above Mesa, Colorado. Flat top. Beautiful, beautiful Mesa with this amazing view as the sun sets. So it's pretty sweet. Why are we sitting right here in these tiny houses at Powderhorn, Mr. Ken Gart? Well, you know, to tell the truth, we're both here for the same reason, to see what's going on and to check it out. Uh, we, we started this tiny home project this season. Uh, Evan Gart, who is my youngest brother's son, Johnny's son, is in charge of, of the uh, tiny home project. And I really want to check it out. So I brought my wife and kids up and uh, we're here to experience it. So I guess kind of the same for you. And the Gart family got involved here at Powderhorn about when and why? This is, this is kind of a fun story. So I want to say seven or eight years ago, there was an auction. They auctioned off uh, the, the ski area and all the real estate, maybe 700 acres of land, uh, a lot of property, some um, 
development that was being done, some that was distressed, but underutilized for sure. And we attended the, the auction of my brother Tom and myself and Andy Daly, who we talked about earlier. He was the president of Vale, a close friend, a guy that we really trust. And we were here to see if we could make a deal to buy the resort. We didn't want to buy the resort if we couldn't buy the real estate because we felt like that could be value in terms of building this business. And we didn't want to buy the real estate if we couldn't buy the ski area. So it was kind of a fun negotiation, but it worked out. And, and we, we bought the, the whole thing, like I said, seven or eight years ago. And since then, just a slow but steady process of, what do they call it, the uh, something, the diamond, polishing the diamond. Yeah. No, nothing in the ski uh, world is slow and steady. <laughs> it's up and down uh, steeper slopes or, or uh, more gradual slopes. But, you know, you're a snow farmer. So when you have snow, you're a genius. And when you have no snow, you're an idiot. So we, um, we've kind of ridden that wave. We've had a, a good year this year, a great year last year the year before was a disaster uh and we were able to do some recapitalizing but it, it is as, as we were talking socially it's a little bit of a passion project uh my family has been as you mentioned in the sporting goods business and the outdoor industry for uh we this is the fourth generation with evan that i just talked about so uh we love the outdoors we love kind of that's what colorado stands for and if there's a, a an opportunity for a business where maybe we can make some money at the same time, but also do something good for the community um, that's in that outdoor industry. You know, we that's hard for us to not be interested in that. I can understand why uh, you have spent a great amount of time at very high elevation. I saw you have gotten to the top of more than a few 14ers. How many is it right now? Oh, to tell you the truth, this, this, this is fun. My uh, youngest, my middle child, who you met briefly, um, Jeremy, took a liking to 14ers. So I started doing them when I was in high school. And I've done 35 or so, but I started doing them again with my kids. So I think I've done 30 or 40, but if you count the ones I've done multiple times, maybe it's 50 or 60. Wow. So the Gart family involved in many projects, many businesses, the ski business being one of those. Yep. What do you guys disagree about when it comes to Powderhorn or business in general? You guys must have kind of different viewpoints. <laughs> well, so I mentioned I have uh, a brother, uh, John. I have another brother, Tom. Tom really is more involved with Powderhorn than I am. But, I mean, do you have brothers? I do, and I'm in business with them. Okay, great. So I'm sure you have uh, heated conversations from time to time, and we have those as well. Um, but we, you know, we get along well. Uh, we do have different businesses, so a chance for each of us to do slightly different things. Uh, as we get older, we're, we're uh, uh, excited to have the next generation involved. So the main thing we're doing now is private equity, which is more active owning businesses and real estate. This would kind of be a hybrid of the two. Uh, but, yeah, we, we disagree over things, but we work it out. What are you most proud of in the last seven, eight years here at Powderhorn? Well, I'll tell you the truth. I think, um, you know, you, you're, you have a family business as well. If you do something that the community loves and you're doing something that you feel like has a positive impact on the community. I was talking to my um, two, I have three kids, two were in the car on the way up today. And I said, you know, that's a, a wonderful opportunity. If you can do something really good for the community and something that is creative and, and make money at the same time, that's, you know, really a home run. Um, when we bought Powderhorn, we heard a lot of people in the Grand Junction area going, God, I love that resort. There's a history, not always great. It's been tough to make money. It's still tough to make money. But if we can honor that history and legacy, do something good and still make money, then that's, that's really something to be proud of. 
how has your you know desired business model or expectations changed since you bought it compared to now? You know, you, you bought it with one idea. How has that evolved to where we are now? You can tell you can tell you're a business guy because that's a good question. Um, I'll tell you, this is an interesting story. I, I think um, I was involved in some of the meetings on pricing, and uh, Grand Junction is a is a price sensitive market. You know, people want want value. Everybody wants value, but we are looking at the pricing model, and we were afraid to lower prices too much because we felt like we would never be able to raise them back up and we were never sure uh, how many additional passes we would sell. Um, so we kept, and with Epic and Icon passes, obviously it's a different ballgame today. So after the disastrous year, two years ago, we did a joint venture with an operator. It's called Pacific Group Resorts International, PGRI. And they have a model where they drop prices dramatically. And we kind of started testing it when we ended up doing this joint joint venture with this company um they pulled the plug and they they lowered price dramatically and uh i was talking to my son who's in high school about elasticity of demand and pricing models and we learned that when we lowered the prices uh, low enough the demand went way up and it was something we should have done a long time ago so that was a big learning and in five years in a perfect world uh what'll be different than it is right now well, I think a lot. That's another reason why uh, I'm here. We did this umbrella bar, which I think has a lot of character and charm. Um, the tiny home village, we have six tiny homes now, all of them uh, distinctly different personality. So we're going to learn a lot this year in terms of how these uh, work, how happy the customer is, what the, uh, the net promoter score or how satisfied the customer is. And we would like to grow this dramatically. At some point, we very well uh, might sell the tiny homes as well as lease them. Um, we did a new high-speed quad. Uh, eventually, if we have the profitability to do additional lifts, we will uh, continue to upgrade the mountain. So I don't think there's any question it will grow and we will do more cool things. How big it can get and where it goes eventually you know, depends upon our success. And the pros and cons with adding a bed base via tiny homes versus the way everybody else does it with condos and hotels. Well, I think it's, I think it's a little bit of a different time. You know, um, Historically, with with Vale, with IntraWest, with other companies, they bought the real estate. They did condo villages, and uh, I think things are different. I think Grand Junction, in particular, is a different community too. So we want to find something that has more charm and more personality and create a different culture and community. Um, it seems to me like we're onto something. I when I checked in, I asked the woman at the front what the reaction has been, and she said people have loved it. So uh, I think we're onto something that will work, and we can create that different community that's more vibrant and exciting and affordable at the same time. It's a little different. It's not an opulent time as much, I feel like, in some ways. People don't necessarily want to go biggest, most, most expensive, most extravagant. So, you know, we have to uh, walk that fine line, but I, I think we're on to something. So as Hickenlooper's bike guy, I don't know the details, but you told me that you were Hickenlooper's <laughs> bike guy. And we're in this bike community. What's it like where basically yeah. your main competition might not be ski areas, it might be mountain biking? Yeah, I, actually, I'm glad you brought that up. So I um, am friends with uh, John Hickenlooper. He was mayor, then governor. Now he's running for Senate. He ran for president. That didn't last very long. Um, and uh, you mentioned briefly uh, bike sharing. When he was mayor... Uh, Obama was in Denver for the DNC. When the DNC or the RNC leave town, they leave a legacy grant behind. They left a million dollar legacy grant. Uh, Mayor John Hickenlooper at that time wanted to start a bike sharing. First bike sharing system in the country that was citywide, Denver and Minneapolis. This was, I want to say, 12 years ago. 
Um, so I started the 501c3, the nonprofit, to do that. It was really fun and gratifying. And as he became governor, um, I looked for different ways to engage and, and do something good for the state. So eventually I became the bike czar. He loved to say that I made a dollar a year and I was worth twice that. Um, and the idea was to make Colorado the most bicycle-friendly state in the nation. Another reason why I'm here and I've done stuff with Powderhorn is there will be a trail hopefully completed next year. That's a big, big uh, capitals hope, hopefully, um, from the top of the Grand Mesa to the bottom of the Palisade uh, floor, and it'll be a 6,000 vertical foot descent mountain bike trail. Wow. It'll be one of the two or three uh, longest descent mountain bike trails in the uh, in North America. And, uh, you know, that'll be really exciting. When in, in Grand Junction in the summertime, it can be super, super hot. Fruta, Moab, obviously you know about to the top mountain bike destinations in, in the U.S., if not the world. Um, and a lot of people are looking to escape at altitude because it's so hot during July and August. Uh, so this could be something that will add another dimension to an opportunity for people to be biking as they're going to Fruit and Moab. Um, and we are doing mountain bike trails during uh, on Powderhorn during the summer as well. So there was 16 different projects that I was working on under the governor uh, around trails across the United States. And it just happened to be one of them. So I'm still involved with that. Not as, as officially, but still involved. So even though this time of year, mountain biking might be a competitor for Powderhorn long term, you just got to marry those two things together. Yeah, I don't think it's a competitor because, you know, during the ski season, you know, there's not much going on in the biking world. I mean, the ski season is narrow. You know the ski world. You know, you're talking December, January, February, March. I mean, four months. So the other eight months of the year. we we For us to be viable, for us to be profitable, honestly, we need to develop more 12 months revenue. We can't just be based on three months of revenue and pray that there's enough snow that's a good ski season. Ski season. So it's really important for our, our long-term development, actually. How far is exit cheese and bread from here? Yeah, I don't know. Good question. I mean, we, we brought a little bit of stuff. We're going to have, have dinner up here, but uh, those are the things you learn. Yeah, it's part of the charm. Yeah, absolutely. Now I suggest you buckle up for a ride of department hopping on a not super busy spring Saturday. We'll start up top in the patrol shack. Oh. Name, hometown, what you do around here. Let her rip. <clears throat> Patrick Trim. And Grand Junction, Colorado is my hometown. I am the Rocky Mountain Division Director of the National Ski Patrol. And you talk quietly. <laughs> I talk a lot. God, I've known Rhonda since the 80s. I've known him forever. <clears throat> I don't know what you could talk to him about. Boating, I guess, or he has a bike shop too, but... Yeah, but when, what's, what does everybody rib him about, you know? What, what, what do people give him a hard time about? Always oh, trying to sell you something. Oh. What's he selling lately? You name it, you have it, he'll sell it. Oh, he's like he's like a Craigslist, just a walking Craigslist. Yeah, walking Craigslist. Bikes, skis, boats, whatever, doesn't matter, he'll sell it. So my name is Rondo Beachler. I live in Mesa, Colorado. I am the ski patrol director in the winter, and then I work with the bike patrol in the summertime. What did you watch on TV when you were growing up, Rhonda? I grew up in East L.A., and uh, probably my favorite show was Lost in Space. Uh, but we had a cabin in the mountains above L.A., and I spent every weekend up there growing up hiking, biking, motorcycling, and eventually skiing. And then I had an aunt whose husband was in Vietnam in the 
late 60s, early 70s, and she would load up all my cousins and myself in a camper and take us to Bryan Head, Utah, and we would stay in a camper for a week. She would drink heavily, and we would have the time of our lives. And the split between Pro Patrol and Volunteer Patrol here at Powderhorn is approximately what? Uh, we have a staff of 61 people, and we have about 12 Volunteer Patrollers. And then we have the Young Adult Program, which has about 12, 13. And then the balance of the patrol are paid, either ski patrollers or medics. Because we have a first aid room that we staff also. That first year, you found yourself around Powderhorn. What brought you here and what were you doing then? I had gotten out of the Coast Guard to uh, avoid Vietnam. And I got a job at Lake Powell, driving a rescue boat. Met a bunch of people that worked at Powderhorn down there because Grand Junction to Lake Powell's close and a lot of people would work the two. And they said, come check out Powderhorn. I'd been in Bryan Head. Wanted a little bit of a change and moved here and stayed here. And it's worked out great. In the summer, I'm a river guide, and I also own a bike shop. I've founded a couple of bike shops in the valley. And I'm working on the Palisade Plunge Trail, which you should do a podcast someday. I think Ken Gart told me all about that last night. Yeah, it's a very exciting project I've been working on for 12 years. My partner, Scott Winans, and myself. I also heard you're, uh, I don't know, a bit of a, of a retailer. You're buying and selling stuff. You're just kind of on the side. You're just like Mr. Craigslist. Like, what are you, what are you selling currently? Currently, bikes, paddleboards, rafts through Rapid Creek Cycles and Paddleboards. But I got my start uh, working a Powderhorn Patrol. Ended up getting a degree in outdoor rec management from Mesa State College, CMU. And then got the contract for the ski shop here. And I was, had that for 10 years. And when I lost that lease, when a new owner came in, so when I founded Over the Edge Sports in Fruta, did retail there for 10 years, and then sold Over the Edge Sports to partner with Scott Winans and open Rapid Creek and work on developing the Grand Mesa and the Mesa Slopes. Our first, our second big project is the Palisade Plunge. We were instrumental in getting the Palisade Rim Trail in. Back to the patrol here. What do you spend the most time reminding your team about? Where you wish you could just drill it into their head and it would just stay there? I'd say the hardest thing it's to learn is in order to get respect, you need to respect other people. Whether they're doing something stupid and upsetting you, uh, we have to respect the public that's here. They're guests in our ski area. We demand respect. We, want, we have to respect them. And that would be the hardest thing is teaching them how to communicate with people in a job where you might have had a collision where you've got a mom whose kid just got hit by a 17-year-old skier and you got the ski kid yelling at you, the kid was in the way and calling you names, the mom wanting to beat the kid up, and, a, and an injured person right there all at once. And you're all by yourself going, oh my gosh. The art of de-escalation. De-escalation is really important. And then at any second, you're doing first aid. You know, we've had three heart events this year. The patrol has given CPR successfully once. And, you know, a lot of other injuries. And in the summer, it's even wilder because you usually have more significant. You have less injuries, but they're more significant in the bike parks. And help is not on its way fast because in the winter, a patrol can get anywhere on the mountain within minutes. You know, we have two stations at Powderhorn. It's a bigger area than people think. 1,600 acres, sort of a bowl, two lifts, big, big area. But we can get there in the summer. Someone gets hurt on a Outer Limits bike trail, nobody can help you for a while. So you're really on your own, and that makes it a challenge and interesting. And it's just it's a fun job, but you've got to be able to deal with situations. 
Well, so this is my first time out here. I've been to Grand Junction, but never made it up to Powderhorn. Brought the kids out from the front range, thankfully avoided the traffic getting, getting out here. And I see all sorts of historical markers for Mr. Bill Foster. Yes. I don't know the story. I assume you do. Can you help me? Yeah, Bill Foster was part of a group of local businessmen. Bob Beverly, who our new ski school is named after, and a bunch of people in the 60s. There was an old ski area up the road a couple miles with an old rope tow. I was there this morning. I went out and toured around Mesa Lake yeah, ski Mesa area. Lake, yeah. yeah, old Mesa Lakes. And then they wanted another area, and they would see this driving up. And it wasn't until the late 60s, the old road was a dirt road that took you there. In the 60s, CDOT redid Highway 65, and it came into this basin. And they've been seeing this for years. And just a group of local businessmen, led by Bill Foster, who had a passion for skiing, just said, we're starting this corporation. They, they went down Main Street selling shares, $10, $5,000, raised money to build Powderhorn. They started with one lift and a lodge, and it was just a pretty incredible story where locals built their local ski area. It wasn't like Vail or Aspen where you have a mountain town uh, that you're trying to, to support or that was existing there. They just took nothing, this Beaver Basin area, turned it into a ski area for Grand Junction. And I asked you about staff. What about guests? Let's educate the guests. If there was one thing you wish the guests really understood that they don't quite, what would it be? Ski responsibly. You know, you're not the only one out here. You know, we're, every area has family areas. You know, you got kids. I have grandkids. You want them to feel safe. You don't want them to get hurt. So if you're a black diamond skier and you want to jump off things and ski, Ski backwards and all this stuff. Ski a black diamond run. Go into our boulder fields. Uh, have a great time. Do whatever you want out there. But if you're on a green or a family blue run, respect the other people that are there. Because you were young once, and someday you're going to have kids, too. And you're going to be yelling at that person that's flying by at 50 miles an hour. And what's the deal? Those boulder fields, what's the geologic thing that happened to make those? So this is pretty cool. This is the largest flat-top mesa in the world, arguably. And you had people this, argue about that. Yeah, some people do. Okay. Those 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 people do. <laughs> Geologists, you know, professors. Yeah, I don't. Uh, so a zillion years ago, this was a big uh, plains, and then you had a lava flow here. Okay. So it's uh, like a 300 square mile or so lava flow came up, made a lake, hardened. You had the Rockies come up, the San Juans come up, these big mountain ranges. And they started draining to the west, and the Rockies drained on one side where the Colorado River is. The San Juans, West Elks, drained on the other side into the Gunnison. They hit this lava flow and eroded around it. And where the two rivers meet is Grand Junction, Colorado. And over millions of years, this lava flow has eroded, making it this mesa. And the lava at the top, as it erodes, it crumbles at the edge because it gets undercut. And we have these... 1,500-foot boulder fields of lava rock. Then in the summer, big caves, big rocks, pretty darn incredible. In the winter, there's these natural mogul fields that are just a hoot to ski. And, and some years they the get place. covered well, and some years kind of almost. This year is a kind of almost. We have like two-thirds of them open. But last year, everything was open. We need about 60 inches. Usually we're there first of the year. And we have an incredible backcountry scene here, too, where we're skiing these lava flows. And where it's not lava... It's aspen groves, so you, they're, they're wide enough you can ski through. So we have a really fun backcountry scene, relatively safe avalanche danger. All right, we've got kind of an audience here. We're in the back of the uh, flat top 
top shack. What do you call this? This, this would be the top of one patrol shack, there flat top flyer patrol shack. Let's get some names and some departments really quick. Just shout them out, guys. Everybody around the around the horn. Uh, I'm Camden. I'm from Grand Junction. I'm just a young adult patrol. This is my first year doing it. I'm Kagan. I'm also from Grand Junction, young adult patroller. Uh, I'm Ethan. I'm a Yap resident good skier, you know. And you're eating, uh, what are you eating? An orange. Okay. Uh, I'm Luke. I'm also a Yap and from Grand Junction. And Yap is a young adult patroller. It's kind of your on ramp. Yeah. Kind of kind of deal. Cool. We got some pudding over here. <laughs> I'm Alex from Junction. I'm um, kind of in my between stage uh, between the young adults and uh, nationals. My name is Adam, a fourth year patroller here at uh, Powder Hornet, and I'm a um, assistant young adult patrol uh, advisor here, and I also have two children in this very program. Oh, wow. I'm Ashley. I'm uh, from Junction, and I'm a young adult patroller. I'm Quinn. I'm also from Junction, and I'm a ex racer turned patroller. They're on their lunch break. The Young Adult Program is really good. It allows kids a gateway to learn what it's like to be a ski patrol, and they can decide. And a lot of them go away to college, but some stay here, especially if they go to college here, and they can turn into ski patrol. And once you get a college degree, you can come back and be a, a professional patroller. Money is no object. What are you putting in the budget for next year? For a ski patrol? For our area? For a ski patrol, for the mountain in general. D decide what's in next year's budget for me. Uh, we get new uniforms. That'll be cool. We haven't had new uniforms for a long time. That's the biggest thing that we're getting. Maybe a new snowmobile. That would be nice. Some of the areas are going to electric snowmobiles because that's the new sustainability thing. So those are our two big things and hopefully a new lift one of these days. Snowmaking's happening. They're quadrupling our snowmaking for next year, which will be real exciting. Should be able to open Thanksgiving, you know, if we have the temperatures. And then this summer, we're expanding our bike truck park. We're doing two new trails family-friendly trails this is a great area to come up and bike park because we have a couple black diamonds but we're having majority of them will be family-friendly trails which are great and then you can access the grand mesa this large flat top mesa and ride all over it and then end up in palisade if you connect to the plunge well thanks for all the information rondo good luck yeah, out there today. hopefully a nice quiet day yeah hopefully it is we don't like to see people get hurt but if they do we are ready Easy stuff. Uh, name, hometown, and what you do around here. Elena uh, Brennan. I'm from Grand Junction, Colorado, and I'm the ski school director, co-director. You've been involved here at Powderhorn since about when? Eight years. What were you doing prior to? College. <laughs> like at Mesa or where? Yeah, I went to Colorado Mesa University down in Grand Junction. It is, it is wild coming from the front range where everywhere you go in the front range skiing, everybody's from everywhere. But when you come out here, everybody's from Grand Junction. It's really, I mean, it feels like two different states. Yeah, it's, I think it's really unique. Um, the people you're meeting up here live around here. So they're, they're locals and they really care about this area. They're not coming in from elsewhere for, for winter work. This is their home. Give me a tiny bit of life story. So born and raised in this area, uh, interest pursuits. Where do you spend your time when you're not here? Yeah, born and raised uh, on a farm out in East Orchard Mesa. I uh, went to Colorado Mesa University and played basketball and softball collegiately, so I wasn't allowed to ski. Um, didn't get to ski for eight years and graduated, and I was like, I'm going to go ski. So I got a job as a ski school instructor for a couple of years and then kind of moved, moved my way up. Um, not up here. I run a ranch up in Glade Park, so I love to, to hunt, to camp, and be 
the outside. So did you abide by that can't ski rule for eight years or did you sneak any? Once in between high school and college when I technically wasn't on either team. I skied once in eight years. So you were like the Tom Brady of the area where... Lord, uh, Tom Brady's a bad, bad analogy. I'm from, I'm from Vermont. You can't sorry. see Tom Brady around. Here. No, I'm sorry. That was a mistake. <laughs> Manning, take take your pick. Elway, I don't know. All right. The scope of the ski and ride school here at Powderhorn. How many staff, you know, uh, and what's your kind of most popular programs? Uh, yeah, we got about 75 people on staff up here at our ski and ride center. Um, a lot are. You guys can come through. We're, we're conducting an interview in a to-be-painted locker room area. So this is part of the deal. What's the podcast called? Uh, it's called Wintry Mix. Wintry Mix. I might have a, one sticker left in my pocket. I was on it, pocket. too. So. You're famous. I know, basically. You take his kid? You oh, never perfect. listen to my... You, well, yeah, she was teaching my kid out there. Yeah, yeah. Got a girl. You got a good one. Mix. Got it. So, uh, yeah, scope of the ski school and what you guys focus on. Yep, we got about uh, 80, 80 staff on hand up here. A uh, lot of our lessons are kids. Um, a lot of kids, we do a lot of multi-week programs for kids. So we'll have kids up here and they take lessons for four weeks straight. Um, that's a very popular and just a, a great program to see the progression in the kids. The kids bond with their instructor. They become like a little team, call them coach. And all the kids get to know each other. And it's more like a, a team setting. Uh, so that's a, that's a popular program. Uh, we also do school group programs up here, which is kind of unique for a ski resort. Um, if you come up here Monday through Friday, uh, we'll have anywhere from 150 to 300 kids throughout the week up here with their school groups, coming out on field trips, coming in on church retreats, Boy Scouts, Girl Scouts, all kinds of fun stuff like that. So that's that's pretty unique for us. Favorite pizza in Grand Junction? Hot tomato, fruto. Say it slow, slower so I can understand it. The hot tomato and fruta. Oh, yeah. I see that place. Okay. I don't have the best hearing. Ryan Robinson, uh, Marketing and Sales Director, and I'm from Grand Junction, Colorado. And, Ryan, why am I here? Uh, one of our owners, uh, Tom Gart, is a huge fan of the Wintery Mix podcast, and um, he he uh, listens religiously sent me a note and said, hey, we got to get Alex down here uh, to check out all the new developments of Powderhorn. So there's a lot of new stuff going on. We, we've Powderhorn's been around for 54 years, but the last three or four years, uh, there's really been a huge transition, really a um, next phase in Powderhorn's life. And uh, that includes a lot of wonderful on-mountain developments, um, tiny homes, umbrella bar, a bike park, um, uh, some really exciting things have happened the last few years. So, um, you know, we, we, uh, we want to share it. Well, it's been interesting in the tiny houses and hearing about some of the ideas for future of more of them. I have no idea whether that's a good idea or bad idea. Are you guys sure of it? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the, so we rolled these out kind of in a couple phases. Initially, we, we just had some display units around the base area, let people come in, walk around, give us some feedback on which ones they liked and what they liked about them. Uh, that was last year. This year, we introduced uh, six of them down around the base area. You can actually rent and stay in, uh, and, uh, and they're getting booked out. People, people really like them. Uh, you, there's a variety of different manufacturers. So if you're coming as a family, you got a bigger one. If you're a couple and you want a romantic getaway, you got a smaller one. Um, and, and the response has been great. So, 
that means that we'll introduce the next phase, which is a bunch more located on uh, the property near the ski resort. Um, and there'll be a mix of uh, purchase, rentals, and, um, and short and long-term rentals. I guess it's definitely a route where you can add bed base kind of at your own pace, as opposed to having to do a large construction and the challenges that are associated with that. Yeah, that's exactly right. We could do it. We can roll it out over a few years um, based on the response that we receive. And, and you know, the other thing is that the vibe of a tiny home is totally different than a hotel. Um, we are not a resort that uh, it would work well to have a massive hotel right around the base area. But a few tiny homes positioned around, uh, around the base is just perfect. Well, so I was talking to Ken Gart uh, last night and... He was discussing how you guys are, you know, learning stuff. The tiny homes are new and it's, you know, really try to trial and error, figure out what works about them. I have one piece of feedback. Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's go. Okay. You attach something to the outside of each of these tiny homes that is accessed from the exterior that is basically a ski locker, but it has just enough heat coming to it from the unit. A, it keeps boots out of the, the unit. And B, it allows you to kind of have a place to put your skis, put your boots. And then if people have to park a little bit greater distance from the tiny home, they've kind of got that ski locker box checked off. But maybe you guys have already thought about that. We're on it. We're, we'll, we'll get that put together for next year. Um, we, we need some exterior storage. I mean, you you, you got to be efficient in these things. So having that exterior ski storage is, is definitely key. Um, and you you. Come back next year. Yeah, and we'll, so, we'll so, have so that's – I'm not the first person to think of that, obviously. <laughs> uh, but some of their benefits are that you don't have to go through hallways. You're not dealing with elevators. You are immediately accessing your space you know, directly from the hill or directly from you know, the outside. You don't have that challenge of having to navigate you know, a hotel as a skier. Yeah, exactly. And then the other thing that I really like and, and my family really likes is uh, you hang out at the fire pit in the middle uh, of the tiny homes and you meet a bunch of people that went skiing that day, share stories from the day. That kind of common area is pretty cool. Season passes. So everybody wants to talk about season passes. Now, icon, epic, epic icon. I don't have an epic or an icon. You don't have an epic or an icon. No. No. Um, you guys are part of what group and how do you currently think about season passes? Yeah. Uh, so we're part of Pacific Group Resorts um, that own five resorts um, around the country and one in Canada. Um, and part of the initiative that we have around season passes um, is focused on accessibility and affordability. Uh, those two things really drive everything we do with season passes. So a few years back, we cut the price of a season pass um, about in half. So uh, season passes are less than 300 bucks. And um, the result has been a tremendous increase in visitation and a tremendous increase in uh, season pass holders. And it's, it's really turned the resort around. Um, last two years, we have 65% brand new season pass holders. Uh, so that has been um, a game changer for us, um, really focusing on uh, accessibility and affordability. So along with uh, season passes, we also are really interested in creating brand new skiers. If you've never skied or snowboarded before, we'll buy your first three days of lessons, rentals, and lift tickets. Uh, after that, we give you a rookie pass for 69 bucks. You ski the rest of the season for $69. Then we give you a sophomore pass 
uh, for the next year for $179. Um, we also partnered with Rosignol to give people uh, a really inexpensive entry-level package, uh, equipment package, um, below Rosignol's cost, below our cost, uh, because we know the barriers to entry to go skiing are equipment and cost, and we want to eliminate those barriers and create some new skiers. Can you just get DIA's flights over here for me, and then I can hang out over here more? <laughs> yeah, Denver Air Connection. Get on that. That's what I Come over and visit. Thanks, Ryan. Yeah, you, you bet. As the day wrapped up, we settled back into the Slopeside Tiny House Village to meet our new neighbors around the fire and wish the Night Skinners well. Okay. Now comes First the sound of alcohol. And where are you from? And then tell me something I don't know. So, Becca Posner. I live here in Grand Junction currently. I've been here for five years. But like you know, I'm from North Florida. So we came here um, five years ago, my husband and I, because of... Uh, his job opportunity. So we came from the beach to the high desert, never seen the high desert before ever, moved here sight unseen. It was super weird. I thought I had moved to Mars and it took like two weeks. And then I was like, holy shit, this is the most beautiful place that I have literally ever seen. Because unless you like really have a chance to take this place in and the mountain, the terrain, do you know what I mean? Like yeah. you, you think of Colorado mountains and it's like, trees and da, 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 da. but then you get here to the it western like the slope moon. it does it feels like mars that's what i was yeah. like i was telling all my friends back home i'm like i think i just moved to mars i'm not sure how this is or like yeah. and then it was like two weeks later i'm like oh my god this is literally the most beautiful place i've ever seen and i am now i don't think i'll ever leave i don't think we'll ever leave we have definitely put some roots down here it's right. super so cool so we're fireside we've got some folks that are popping in and out so most we've met some we haven't um, you're going to be my ambassador to the rest of your yeah. group. To let them have a couple more beers and then they'll be yeah. interested. So let me just start you. We've got this like, little box of cards that happen to be in the tiny houses. And we're going to give you the first one. Uh-oh. Okay. All right. If you could only me. go on three websites for the next month, oh, which would you choose? Oh, man. <laughs> okay. Websites. Facebook, obviously. I mean, is that a website? I don't know. I mean, is it required? It's required I, in the next I mean, month. You and, wouldn't be able to cut oh, it Oh, so wait. So it's a required place that I it's have like, to go? If you could only go on three, you were forced to pick. It's like it's like a desert island and what are your foods? Uh, it's This is a desert island of internet and what are your sites? Because, you know, you I'm searching. Three. Okay. So, I mean, ah, this is a really, I want a different question. Honestly, I do. Because like I, you know, Facebook, I'm on Facebook a lot. I just started Instagram. I'm on real estate websites constantly. Okay. I mean, those are boring though, right? I mean, like where, what, what I enjoy I'm, them. They're informative. Yeah, they're informative. So what would be interesting? I mean, I can't say porn, can I? Like that's. Say whatever you I want. Don't, <laughs> I don't watch porn. I'm just kidding. I'm totally kidding. I don't you watch about porn. about it. I did. <laughs> I already put my name out there. The night is young. That. The night is young. All right, Becky, we'll, we'll return to you in a bit. Hometown or where I live right now? Both. Uh, Dennis Lytle. I'm from Port Townsend, Washington. I live in Palisade, Colorado, and I'm about to uphill to the top of Powderhorn and then ski down under a beautiful almost full moon. You got quite the squad. How many people you you bringing up there tonight? Uh, we'll see what kind of party we get going on up there tonight. <laughs> we might have a few people coming in from the West Bench Trail and a few people coming up from here. So hopefully have a good little crowd up there to ski down with. Is it a fairly regular occurrence? No. This is uh, first year we've done this that I've been here. I've been here six years now as an employee. Yeah. And you're launching from, what is this little spot called again? 
Well, this is our tiny home village. Uh, we haven't stayed here before, so it's exciting for us to be here tonight and utilize this space because it's been a mystery for us, so it's pretty cool tonight. And I'm going to stay here and have a beer and eat some ham casserole, but while you're gone, I will fetch some firewood. That's my job. <laughs> yeah, and we'll hopefully bring some down. Everyone's going to bring down uh, a log for this fire pit here. Yeah. And uh, then we can have a little bit more fire later tonight. Okay. Good, good plan. <laughs> Enjoy the skin. Well, thanks. It's rant time. Actually, it's beg time. I'm begging you to resist the urge to blame ski area operators, ski towns, mayors, and even governors for the coming wave of winter inconveniences. People are dying and lives are being ruined way more than necessary, and it's jacking up everything. But mostly in America, we made that very questionable hire. You know what's more important than your internet gripes about new unpleasant hurdles on the ski experience? Schools, lives, jobs. Do not blame the mechanics who are tasked with fixing problems they did not create. Support them. Be a helper. This goes for your local school administrators and grocery store clerks too. And stop taking a functioning society for granted when you vote. End of rant. by Adam Levy. Toss me those five-star Apple Podcast ratings if you want to be a helper. Not sure of the coming pace of episodes or even the formats. Email me, alex at wintrymixcast.com if you want to make a pitch or have an idea. I'm not interested in covering COVID impacts via the podcast, but the COVID versus ski business Facebook group that I run is a good spot for strategizing with other industry staffers. Follow on Instagram at Wintry Mixcast or find the show on Facebook or Twitter. Leave the pod a voicemail or text at 802-560-5003 and good chance I'll get it into an episode. Stick around for after the beep in this one. Goodbye. It's hard to differentiate what he's doing because his play is the same as his work. So he talks about retiring, and I'm like, well, what are you going to do when you retire? He says, I'm going to ski, bike, row my boat. I said, that's what you do for a job, so might as well just keep doing it. Does this guy have a nickname oh. that I don't know about? What do you call him? Yes, I do. Grando. 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 That's a good one. Yeah, Rondo, Grando. Grando. Solid. Yeah. Rondo's short for what? What was it originally? Were you born that way? I, I was, no, I've been Rondo since 1978, but I was born Ronnie.
Oh, geez, snack time. How did he do? He did awesome. We're working on hockey stops, and he's almost got it. He just edges a little bit too much, but otherwise he's doing great. We worked on side slipping. We did thumpers, which is an exercise to help him get parallel. What's it called? Thumpers. Thumpers. Yeah, thumpers. You pick up that inside ski when you're turning to help keep him parallel. And we did bumps and trees and jumps, and he loves the trees. It's his favorite part. Oh, you did the friendly, we call them the friendly woods. Friendly woods. We did the friendly woods. Yeah. You like the friendly woods? He was always Whoa, searching sister. for the friendly woods. Yeah. <laughs> Sharing snack. Sharing snack. Kaylin, how'd you do? Good. That's all. What is that? Okay. How did she do? Really good. So we're transitioning transitioning her from being in that pizza shape uh -huh. to parallel turns. What's the trick? Um, pulls in front. Pushing your legs forward and then pushing down on the snow, right? Was he using his poles mostly or not so much? We did two runs with them at the end, and I was teaching him to keep them in front, and then we do an exercise where he holds them like this yeah. and to kind of keep them in front. Is it kind of time for him to be using them more or not so much? I would say more runs on harder terrain first and make sure that he stays in that parallel because what happens is you kind of jump up terrain and then go back to the pizza. Right. So harder terrain and a couple more runs, make sure he has that parallel down and then transition into poles. Got it. Yeah. What do you guys say, guys? Thank that you. was awesome. <laughs> Thank you guys very much. Yes, of course. Ben Kurtzman, Grand Junction. Powderhorn's elevation is 9,200 feet. What department do you guys work in? What was that? F and B and ticket sales mostly? Yeah. Okay, tell me three things about Powderhorn that I don't know. This is home. This is my first year. I don't know anything. Best boulder fields you've ever ridden, best open aspen glades you've ever seen, and the friendliest staff and people you'll ever meet on any mountain. It's a small town mountain the way it's supposed to be. Low kill, old school. Old school, good people. I still don't get the boulder fields. Like, Rondo explained them to me today. Okay, but then it's you've still... never ridden in the boulder fields, and you need to go. I went there today, but it was pretty gnarly because it hadn't snowed that much. Yeah, but last season when the boulder fields were turned into fields because yeah. we got so much it's snow. So like, seriously, mushroom clouds and bouncing and bam, bouncing. Bam, bam, bam. see a picture of me yeah, like it's the nard, dude. Or you get crushes <laughs> in the face yep. day to it's day. The only okay, 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 okay. Like. Okay, no same, same question. No lift lines. No lift no lines. No lift lines. No lift lines. <laughs> okay, hold on. Same question, but about uh, Mesa County. Three things I don't know about the region. We're outdoors, dude, all the time. Outdoors all the time. You can literally come up today and snowboard, and then you can go down to the Dobies in the afternoon and then ride your dirt bike. Yeah. 70, 70 degrees down there, snowing up here. Hidden pictographs everywhere you can possibly find if you know the right trail. And a rich, rich history. Republicans, Democrats, Independents, you got them all. It's just really can. And there's no city people. We hate the city people. Don't come here. It's horrible. No, don't. We don't hate the city people. No, they don't hate. Uh, they hate them a little bit. I do. We're from a little bit. 
It's okay. So it's okay to as hate long as a little you're bit. Cool, but don't bring your city to my country. No, Understood. No, no. You gotta, you gotta. Coronavirus ain't here yet. Oh, <laughs> no, no, that's because we already have the plague. Yeah. <laughs> It'll just be here next week. What should, what should I have ordered upstairs? Pizza. Ooh, the chicken pizza. satay pizza. Pizza. And Jack Daniels wings. Oh. Jack Daniels wings are. I, got, I may have to run up there and get that and done. Santa Monica sandwich. Santa Monica. Pinball sandwich? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. What the hell is that? Uh, like brie. Goat yeah. cheese, apples, toasted. Brie. 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 Yeah. And then you gotta go to the bar and get a shot of screwball. Peanut butter whiskey. Dude, bomb. Screwball peanut butter whiskey. Okay, I have time for that because I ordered to go, so I got like 10 minutes. Okay. Um, favorite uh, cartoons growing up? Powder Puff Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Red and Stippy. Red and Stippy. Oh. Red and Stippy. I haven't heard one. That's a good one. There you go. Animaniacs. Animaniacs. No, no one. No. Futurama. Rocket Power. Oh, South Park. Hey, I said that on the first. Oh, you did. I did. Oh, yeah. Gumby. <laughs> I'm gonna yeah. say Heathcliff. Looney Tunes. Oh, Heathcliff. That's a deep oh, cut. Heathcliff. Yeah. What you got about that? Yeah. I got. I got. You and I got something going here. All right. Thank you, team. Yeah, you're thank awesome. you. What's yeah. your name? Thank you. I'm Alex. I'm Ashley. Hold on. Here you guys could just share these. This is what the podcast is. Where are you from? Winter. Episode 83. Episode It'll be out in a few weeks. Episode 83. I live in Golden. Golden? Golden. Yeah. Nice. That's Golden, bro. Hey, you <laughs> should uh, tell the chorus people that they should keep it in Golden instead of moving to frickin' the Midwest. What? Hey. Pretty much. I think you just did. I grew up in Roxborough, so. It's all right. Ten, ten, ten barrels is my sponsor. I'm already AB. Ten barrels is my sponsor. Okay. All right. But I love my course light, and I'm so bummed they're leaving the state. Thank you, team. Thank you, Alex. Give yourselves a round of applause. Hey. Make sure to hit Devil's Dick if you come here. Also known as Thunderbird Blade. Lame. Say what? Never mind. Yeah, you don't talk loud enough. All right, we are in Parachute, Colorado, on our way to Powderhorn, Colorado. We are beside the subway, the Napa Auto Parts, I don't know, five dispensaries. And there's a town park right here, the Robbery and the Getaway, Parachute, Colorado. Uh, On June 7th, 1904, an outlaw named Harvey Logan attempted one of the West's last train robberies near here, also known as Kid Curry. Logan was a member of Butch Cassidy's notorious Hole in the Wall gang. When the westbound Denver and Rio Grande train made its scheduled 1.15 a.m. stop in parachute on that Tuesday morning, a man scrambled on board. He ordered the engineer at gunpoint to proceed to Strite Flats, roughly three miles west of here. There he was joined by two accomplices. The three outlaws forced the baggage master to open the doors of the baggage car and blew open the safe with a charge of dynamite. They were expecting to find a shipment of gold. Historians have never established that they actually did. In fact, it is believed by many that the gold had been sent through on an earlier train. What do you think of all this, Kaylin? That is weird. Okay. After blowing the safe, the two outlaws headed directly for the Colorado River. They crossed the river and mounted horses, which they had hidden on the south side. They headed for Battlement Mesa, which is just south of us here across I-70, stealing fresh mounts as they went. Stealing fresh mounts as they went. I guess that's like other horses. In the meantime, lawmen from Grand Junction and Parachute, along with several local ranchers, formed a posse to pursue the robbers. For the story of the quote-unquote getaway and the confrontation between posse and outlaw, please see the historical marker on Battlement Mesa. Well, I got to drive there? 
Cross I-70 in the Colorado River, then follow the signs to the Battlement Mesa Information Center. What? What's a posse? A posse is a group of bad dudes up to no good back when there were lots of horses and stuff. Uh, hold on, I think this is the other sign. I think they moved it here. The robbery and the getaway. Here we go. Here's the getaway. On June 7th, 1904, Outlaw Kid Curry crossed Battlement Mesa near here after robbing a train west on a parachute. He was accompanied by two fellow members of Butch Cassidy's notorious Hole in the Wall gang. In hot pursuit was a posse composed of lawmen from both Parachute and Grand Junction and several ranchers. After crossing Battlement Mesa, the posse caught up with and exchanged fire with the robbers on Mam Creek to the east of here. The outlaws escaped unharmed and rode on to Divide Creek where they stole fresh horses and continued east. Um, that's a loud that's truck. Very it. loud truck. That's where I got it. That's where Parachute got its name. Probably. Finally, on East Divide Creek, the posse again overtook the outlaws. Hidden behind the rocks, the desperados warned the lawmen and ranchers to go back or get hurt. Ignoring this warning, the posse went for their guns. In the ensuing battle, one of the robbers was heard to say that he had been hit and was going to finish the job. A single final shot rang out. Then all was quiet. Cautiously, the posse approached the rocks behind which the outlaws had been hiding. They found one man dead with wounds in his chest and head, the latter plainly self-inflicted. The other two outlaws, whose horses were casualties of the battle, fled on foot into the cedar trees along East Divide Creek. They were never identified and were never seen again. The dead man, later positively identified by the Pinkerton Detective Agency as Harvey Logan, alias Kid Curry, was taken to Glenwood Springs. There he was buried near the site of Doc Holliday's grave. The money or gold, if any, that the robbers obtained in their ill-fated crime has never been found or accounted for. That's the story, I guess. Who's the dead man? Uh, the dead man later positively identified um, as Harvey Logan, alias Kid Curry. That's the dead man. So that's what we know about something that happened in Parachute on uh, June 7th, 1904. And if you are here at the park, um, the shutdown tourist information center, the Wi-Fi is uh, use top guest and the Wi-Fi is capital W welcome one. The number one welcome one is the Wi-Fi password. Uh, I was able to figure that out. Don't ask me why. Uh, but if you're ever here and you need it, that's what it is. Okay, we're going to head to Powderhorn a little bit. No, it's still recording. Oh. You have any thoughts on that whole story, Kalen? No, but the the outlaws are stupid. Okay.